Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've just whinged for 20 minutes about Rose, which in the UK are utterly crap. <laughs> um, hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Collecting Addicts podcast. It's very sunny outside, but we are inside. First subject, summer events. Where do you want to go with your friends in your car to see people, to see motor cars, and to remind yourself that you're part of the wider car community? Where are you going to go, Chris Cooper? Uh, well, Neil's going to talk about Le Mans, and I've got something to say about Le Mans. Yep. Come to that in a minute. Um, Festival of Speed, or Festival of Greed, as some have called it. Or Festival of Tweed. So for about a million years, I ignored it. Um, and I ignored it because I thought, oh, it's just all commercial and it's a bit too much, and I'll get frustrated not being on the, on the hill or the track. And about two or three years ago, uh, Finn and Cam, my boy, said to me, you have been to Festival of Speed, Dad? I said, no, I never have. And he said, how can you have not have been to Festival of Speed? I said, I've kind of always avoided it. So we bought tickets for 20, which was then COVIDed, and went in 21. And I'm hooked. I'm totally hooked. In fact, this year, I think we're going on three days. It's just the proximity and the diversity and the range of stuff you can see and hear. There are mentalists everywhere. Nick Swift chucking that mini Clubman up the hill. The McMurtry, or the McCarr, as I called it, the McMurtry Spurling thing going up the hill last year was just extraordinary. So it's just, I mean, I I do it as kind of a punter. I don't do it like Neil would do it. Um, Uh But but it is, it's just fantastic. So it's a bit late to plug it because it's fully sold out. I think it has been for some time, but just... If the recently converted to the most evangelical, because I had always avoided it, um, I, I don't have snooty about it, but now I just think it's wonderful. So I'm counting the days. I think it's just lovely. And the people you can see, I mean, just one name at random, Richard Leitz, Porsche factory driver. Last year, he was driving that electric Cayman thing, got a bit overshadowed by the McMurtry Spurling thing. But in its own right, if that hadn't been there, everyone would have been talking about it. Second fastest up the hill. 
And just on the end of the Sunday afternoon, Richard was back at the those tents in the paddock thing you have there. Nobody in the way. Come and say, Richard, really, really nice to sit. What an amazing car. Tell me about it. Tell me about Le Mans this year because he obviously won the last GTE Pro race last year. Just an amazing race. So for that access and the diversity of people, cars, everybody there enjoying anything, four and two wheels. Yeah, it's just, I could go on. I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful event. Take well, it at face also, value and it's wonderful. I also think it shows how open-minded uh, this podcast is because we're promoting Goodwood's Festival of Speed at the moment. We just received a letter telling us not to hand out free collecting cars water in the car parks this year because we yeah. tried a bit of guerrilla marketing last year. <laughs> but Goodwood have said no. But Goodwood, we're still happy to promote your events and there's no hard feelings here whatsoever. And I won't turn up in collecting cars branded um, pajamas and walk around. Yeah. The they can't tell you what you're not allowed to wear. Just you're yeah, not exactly. be giving out any free water. I might I'd like just go to... naked with henna collecting cars written all over my bits. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to turn up. I'd like to turn up in collecting cars gear, but I haven't got any. Is no. it a box just over there? Somewhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Can you imagine um, Chris at a fancy dress party, but naked with a string coming out of his bottom? He goes a conquer. Wouldn't you? <laughs> I have to say, I'm, uh, Max Chilton is a, Max Chilton is a mate of mine, and we were sort of on a little WhatsApp group. And his build up to that record run, yeah. And I have to say, even though we were sort of winding him up and maybe making him even more nervous than we should, it was so big balls. You know yeah. that thing. That thing is crazy, and he yeah. really nailed it. So we were all, you know, we were all very. Um, you should actually. You should, for ask, him. you should ask him this. I read somewhere. He didn't actually take what you know Monkey and I would see as a conventional line because it's just so fast in the way that the suction so worked. You don't because need to. The crown of the road, he just kind of like drove on the camber or down. So didn't you have to do, even do a line? It's just... No, but you don't, well, clearly I'm right out of my comfort zone here, but you have to be very careful with that car. And we can maybe get Max on as a guest and he can tell us all about it. But yeah. if you, if you, if you, you know, hit the apex and the little um, skirt lifts up on the side, you lose bloody suction, and then it all yeah. goes pear shaped. So you've yeah. got to be very careful good. with so you, it. You, dri- you drive, you drive to the width that gives you the maximum contact between the exactly. bottom and the road. That's, that's a better way of telling what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's um, but I've driven that Cayman thing that Richard Leeds drove up. That that's got two modes, 800 and 1100. And when you put it into 1100 horsepower mode, it it bloody hurts. It's yeah. really, really. Is that hard. is that the underpinnings of a Mission X? Yes. It's it probably, is, yeah. It is Mission X with a bit, and then it's with a Cayman body on it. It's a, it's a very impressive thing. Neil, Clifford, to, tell us about your. Well, trip I have to, to say, I was disappointed with that bloody Mission X. I mean, it's just put two hundred grand on nine one eights, isn't it? Yeah. Honestly, it's a bit ugly, isn't it, on the front? Even though you know we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to criticize Porsche on this uh, podcast. But I was like, oh, apart from the color, which you know, brown is the new green, isn't it? It was. I was a bit like, oh dear. The electric, the electric hypercar doesn't really sell. You know, who's going to spend two million quid in electric no. car? Yeah, I, I thought it looked all right, but yeah, I'm with you with the. Do the I front's love a bit ugly. Did you? I'm Are sure you we mean? can find an alter ego in our two car garage that would spend two million quid in an electric car. Yeah, yeah no, I'm sure, <laughs> but no, it's all about the nine one eight. That's I'm the not, one. Look, uh, Neil Clifford, shut up about electric cars. We're not, not interested. We want to hear you talk about Le Mans. We want to know what it was like, the sights, okay. the sounds, what car you went in, yeah. why you chose that car, all that stuff. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, it's my Glastonbury. You know, it is the Glastonbury of, of, of car events, isn't it? I've, I've been going 
off and on mainly on for well, since 89. Um, I miss I missed the, the last year of the pits when Jaguar won 88, but I was there in 89, I think was Mercedes, and then pretty much every year ever since. So it is my sort of my mecca. And it's such a wonderful, I mean, I begin to get butterflies the afternoon before. You know that nervous energy that you get when you're like, Oh, I hope, it, I hope it just goes right. I hope I don't forget my pass more or my driving lace license or I haven't got the code for the flexi bloody pass at Europe. Yeah, that's the pain, that bit. You, yeah. you get nervous or, or am I going to get a puncher? But then the morning, you know, you're up, you're up at 4 a.m. even though you set your alarm for 5 a.m. You're lying in bed waiting to get going, really. And then you meet, there's only two of us went, I'm, I'm down to one friend now for Le Mans. Um, normally there's about six or seven of us, but we were down to two of us went obviously in separate cars. You don't want to go in a car with someone else, do you? So you take two cars and you meet at the little um flexi cafe at 7 a.m., even though you're booked on the 9 a.m. So you're always about two hours ahead. And it's it's the sort of if you know, you know thing, isn't it? You're driving down even on the M25 and on the M20, and you see the all the guys with the stickers. And you're giving the thumbs up, and it's it's so much camaraderie. And then you get through the the tunnel, and you're just nervous again that you're gonna curb your wheels. Oh. It's another nervy thing, isn't it? You've got to on go that, up on the walkway. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna ruin my wheels because they haven't put you in the wide bit. You're in the normal <laughs> yeah, bit. Go up on the pathway, and then you're like, fuck, I need petrol straight away. So there's a lot of nervous energy going on. It's that sort of fear of. Fear of variables, really, isn't it? But we often have, you know, we tend to like our little routines and our little loops and you get out of that and it gets a bit nervous. But once you get there and you go to the clean service stations of France, as opposed to the shitholes that we've got, and you've got nice coffee, and then you've got your little blipper and you get nervous about your blipper that you've bought, you know, to open the, the motorway thing. And sometimes it tricks you, doesn't it? You drive up to it and the fucker doesn't open, and then you're like, oh, my God, and you're wiggling it out the window. But anyway, the first sign of that Le Mans sign, I think it's just north of Alençon, when you see Le Mans, and you thought, I'm in it now. I'm not going to break down. I've got my Euros. I haven't lost my passport. This is just going to be bloody fantastic. So it's, you know, it, it, the race was magic. Um, there was a Ferrari-sponsored squirrel. Did anyone see that? A real yeah. squirrel? Yeah. No, the one that smashed into the Toyota, you mean? Basically, Toyota hit a squirrel. <laughs> and it's the reason why Ferrari won, because it put Toyota back about four minutes. And I'm sure that this sort of, this was an Italian squirrel that was sent out onto the, you know, the Porsche curve. <laughs> suicide mission, basically. Yeah, because it, it did. And if you look on the quotes by the driver, it was a very large mammal. That might even not have been a squirrel. The other interesting bit, and I can talk for hours if you guys want to know more, every car was run on um, fuel that was made out of grapes. Did you see that? Oh, so it was, Le Mans was, every single car, all 62 cars were basically run on old French wine, <laughs> you know, for the environment, which hey, is bloody magic, isn't it? Yeah. Really bloody good. The they're race making, was amazing. The, noise about that. the first oh, six or seven that. hours, I'm sure we all watched it. It was like a 24-hour sprint. 
the rain came just at the right time. There was rain on certain parts of the circuit, no rain on the other bits. All the cars were spinning. There was loads and loads of drama. And I'm just sort of, hence my my cap, that's a bit small for my head. Um, I think everyone's chuffed for Ferrari, you know. You don't think it was a fix? No, of course not. Italians wouldn't oh, do that. Chris. Oh, Chris. Oh, Chris. So cynical. Oh, but if, you, if you'd said to me at the beginning of the year, if you'd said to me at the beginning of the year that Ferrari wouldn't win a Grand Prix by the middle of the summer, but it would win the Nürburgring 24 hours and Le Mans, I wouldn't have believed you. No. I, uh, that was not the story I would have anticipated. I don't, I, you know, untoward, I, I, the absolute untoward consequences, I keep saying, of the... Uh, of the cost cap, you uh, can't spend the money in your Formula One car. You're not going to let other people steal all of your engineers. Guys, we need a project. Well, let's go back to Le Mans. Let's win it. I mean, did you notice John Elkan himself in the um, in the Ferrari garage? Everyone, I, I was lucky enough to, to, to wangle my way into the Ferrari Casa, which was, you know, you just don't want to do it anymore in a normal way because you're there with your espressos and your little... Oh, should we have some carbonara or maybe a little bit more parmesan? And you know, amazing view. To be honest, though, Neil, I've heard stories about what it costs to buy into that hospitality. Did you get any truth for the numbers? Because I've heard it's outrageous. I think I think it's about eight grand. I obviously didn't pay that. I was it's it's not what you know, it's who you know in life. Oh, absolutely. Certainly with a man with one O level. That's that's all I've got. But do you think they'd come back? With a, with a sort of with a respect for the history of the place and the knowledge that they've probably underperformed there over time, or did they arrive with a, with the body language of this is a, this is a bit of a side hustle for us? We're we're almost too big for Lamar, and you should be grateful to have us. What was the vibe? Would you mean Ferrari or the yeah Jets? Ferrari? No, I think they were uber desperate, super keen to win. Wow, massive massive effort massive focus yeah the, the, the people running the car af corsa they've they've done le mans for years and years and years and it was interesting that they picked essentially gt drivers james collado british yeah. driver yeah um had done really really well in single seaters had figured an f2 and then it just those breaks never happened and he's been in AF course his fifth sixth year in a row he's won a trophy at le mans so they didn't go the way others have gone, put GT drivers in there. And I think they, so that lot took it all really, really seriously. The BOP oh, I, thing. I, I think they were super, super. Yeah, they, yeah. they had two yeah. belts on and two pairs of braces. No, I, was, I was, to be clear, it's not about they taking it seriously. Ferrari, when it turns up to something outside of Formula One, can often come across as looking like they think they're a bit too good for that particular form of motorsport. And I wanted to know whether you got the sense that they had reverence for the fact that... Oh, reverence. Like, yeah, yeah they, there was massive respect for the history of the thing. There was posters everywhere about the history. And, you know, 90, was it 1965, maybe their last win? Um, 50 yeah. years, certainly, since they were on pole, I think. You know, it was massively important, massively. Charles, Charles Leclerc was there. Um, Trying not to see the CEO guy, whatever his name is, he was there. Everyone was there. Alcan, all the Alcans. I saw from Collecting Addicts podcast was there. Yeah, exactly. I was representing Collecting Addicts. But it was, I mean, the big question really, I mean, good for Ferrari, is Porsche. 
you know, there'll be a big board meeting with Penske, yeah. won't there? Because what a shocker. You know, that's 75 mm -hmm. years. There were posters everywhere. The livery was wonderful. Mm. You know, the design of the car was fantastic. And then, you know, getting mullered by Cadillac. Yeah. And, and they've had a, they've had enough wins there. We, for, for, I'm sure we all have gone into it wishing Ferrari a win. Yeah, I think that's right. I think everyone did. You sort of felt it that everyone, you know, okay, the French wanted <clears throat> Peugeot and they they led the race for a bit, but the Porsche fell out pretty quickly. Cadillac was amazing. There was that Jensen Button NASCAR that basically everyone cheered on every single lap because the thing looked so cool. The Camaro. The Camaro looked so cool, sounded so cool. It was such a, such a, you know, it is, it is. Uh, what it about is the BOP, Chris Cooper? Uh, so there are those. So BOP, balance of performance. I guess most people watching, listening to this, will know what that is. It's an attempt by regulators and organisers to level the playing field in those kinds of motor racing where you're bringing generally production-based cars to the party where there might be big differences between the cars. So when, you know, monkey the car, we drove, we drove a Bentley in the World GT or European GT Championship a few years ago. There's no way a Bentley should really be beating a McLaren 650S or 720S. The BOP is a way of playing with the parameters, weight, aero, power, fuel tank size, all those kind of things to say, everyone's got a chance. So for GT racing, it works quite well because it attracts lots of manufacturers in, which stuff we used to do did. There is an argument that says in the hypercar, which is meant to be sort of a prototype, but it's sort of prototype that we might be able to sell to other people because they don't cost all the money in the world. That is there a place for BOP in the hypercar. Um, and shouldn't we just let them, here's the rules, see who does best. And I thought Toyota on the day and in the afternoon actually behaved with a lot of dignity and maturity because you could see they were dying inside that a week before the race, whenever it was, the ACO said, we're going to tweak it a bit. Ferrari got a bit more weight. Toyota got a little bit more weight. And engineers in our audience will write on YouTube comments as to whether that made enough difference or not. Um, personally, Chris, it was really, really tight. You wonder whether it made a difference, you know? Yeah, you I mean, but 24 hours, you can't. I mean, that's the thing. The reality is, in 24 hours, there were so many issues. The Cadillac, sorry, the Corvette that won in GTM had two laps in the pits. You know, you can't predict. So, my view is that the BOP did has resulted in lots of manufacturers coming to the race. If you weren't in the Toyota team, you probably thought, actually, it's worked really, really well. So personally, as a spectator, looking at it, I thought it was a fantastic race. Bit of rain always helps. So the philosophical, intellectual question, should BOP be a part of Hypercar? You probably have to say yes. Otherwise, it gets like Formula One. Somebody wins, everybody gets bored and goes home. Because in sports car racing, people can go home. But do you want to flip that round? Are we going to get BOP in Formula One? No, I, I think see my flake. You don't, you don't <laughs> need it. You don't need it because you've got DRS. Can I answer your BOP thing? I think, first of all, we have to acknowledge that Toyota, as ever when they go racing, are incredibly dignified. They don't allow themselves to come across with, with very, very emotional responses. And if a book on the other foot, if Ferrari had received that diktat the, the week before about BOP, I think we would have had a very different set of um, yes. uh, messages that have been presented. 
Um, I think it was the squirrel. If you do the if you do the study, it was the yeah, squirrel that did yeah. it. It was it was it was Giuseppe stood down the main straight lobbing a dead rabbit at the windscreen. Yeah, but, I heard he had larger mammals as well for later in the race in mm. case that one. Didn't he, did, he did. A polar bear being shot at the. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was going to throw an eland. Um, Mister Mister Cooper, do you know why there isn't a? Is it WEC? Why isn't there a British? Why isn't there a six-hour at Silverstone or something? It used, it used to lovely be. to go and there, see there those. Used to yeah. be. There was, used those to be. Cars the first year the 919 ran, there was a six-hour. But just to answer really? that BOP thing, I'm not sure BOP matters so much in a 24-hour race. It's so attritional. And yeah. I think this is where sometimes you do want tortoise and hares. Actually, you do want cars of, of different speed and different performance. You want cars with big downfalls, low downfalls. You, and this is what creates the interest of the racing. They shouldn't be wheel to wheel like a long sprint race, which is what they yeah. kind of are these days. I want to see someone that can do an extra three laps because they've got an efficiency advantage in every stint against a car that's out there changing more often and going really fast, re-overtaking. I mean, there's an incredible lap on Instagram, which gets does the rounds, and it's on, on, on YouTube as well, of the McLaren F1 versus the first year of the Porsche GT1. And their performance is so profoundly different, different, different that they are the overtaking track. each other four times a lap. It's not yeah. dicing, it's the difference in the cars. Yeah. And I think I, I don't see the need for the bop. I just, you know, if someone's got a faster car, go ahead, because there's every chance you still won't win, because someone might win with a more reliable car. Yes. Did you see the guy, the Polish guy who won in LMP2 had his had his foot run over? Yeah. And yeah. broke his foot and didn't go to the hospital because he knew that he'd broken his foot and just carried on driving. They would never let him out foot. again. They would yeah. let him out again. Yeah. 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 Thought, um, thought, yeah, Robert Kubica, who's obviously Polish yes, and was, was on that, that podium, but didn't get the winning drive. So that would have been a nice symmetry. But yeah, that was uh, and in GTM, um we talked about it before. Michael Fassbender mm. actually was back with Richard Leeds, and I really felt for him. He stuffed it in the Porsche curves, just lost it, and just that sort of just got away from him, and he just didn't get, and it just <laughs> went backwards in. He must have been. There was no corrective action on those front wheels. Sorry, no. he, did, he just went straight in. It, he got it a little just, bit on, just, but he's it just... just felt for me that you were living in a history book for a weekend. Yeah. You know, how was um Neil? How was the how was the general behaviour of the Brits over there? For, for, oh, it's all good. 10, 15 actually. years ago, it got a bit lively. <clears throat> I wasn't, you know, I, I have done ten years in a in a tent in Arnage with the sort of beer walls and the. I'd had my locks on my two hundred five GTI stuffed with sausage meat. I've done all that, but I'm sure a bit. I'm sure a bit of that was going on. But generally, everyone was just super optimistic, super positive, good to be there, good behaviour. Um, I think everyone was chuffed that it was 100 years. I think everyone was pretty ple super pleased for Ferrari. You know, there's not many people that are petrol heads that don't like Ferrari, is there? No. Really? No, no I, I, think, I think that and the Nürburgring, incredible results yeah. for the team, and they won't make that much noise. And they'll still put more into Charles Leclerc doing his social media, beautiful photographs and wearing an outfit before the next Grand Prix, then they will promoting those two victories. Charles was, there, Charles was there the whole time from the night before, watching the whole race with his mates. You know, they were, and he was in the, whatever the bit is where all the mechanics are, where they're cooking all the food and all that. And he was in there. He was there the whole time. They were, I think they were desperate, desperate to win. And I think bloody good for them, really. 
You know, Neil, the t-shirt that, that said he was wearing yeah. a t-shirt that said the short wheelbase is better looking than the two seven five. Yeah. If you like, if you if you like men. <laughs> you know, Neil, he did say he wanted to um he wanted a race there one year, and somebody put quite a profound comment underneath saying the Formula One season now is so dense, he'll never get that chance. And that is a you know, that is the one I mean there are many great pities about modern racing, but one of the things I used to love about racing was the fact that you know sterling moss could basically drive everything so yeah. it could plan it would be lovely to see a little you know gap so that the top formula one drivers could have a drive he might have a big gap soon yeah yeah i mean there is a, that's i mean they're trying to stop the clash per se of canada and that and yeah. this, the point about social media and the, the finnecam i've always mentioned just to me after nurburgring and again last weekend is that the expansion of the coverage and the in, and the access to it and what people are seeing in TikTok and Instagram. Our sport, ironically, at a time of its greatest challenge in sustainability, is probably more, more eyeballs on it than any time ever before. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a really, really good thing. And they, they seem, for young people, they're both 20, they're really, really optimistic about the sport. It's, but people ask to think, crikey, I can see what's coming and I can't see the answer. Um, and pe the people there age say to them, you, you're into racing, you race cars. What, the, what, this is amazing. How often have I seen this before? Well, particularly so if you good. can run your cars on wine. Yeah, I'm... I'm that's, cool, look that that's, that's a massive paradox for me. Would you put it in the car or do you drink it? I mean, I... I... <laughs> do both. Yeah, do we? <laughs> in reverse order. We've done quite a bit of Le Mans there. Let's, let's just have a little think about other events then obviously we love a collecting cars coffee run so have a look at the calendar see what's around there and anything anything at bista is of high quality can we agree on that you go to yeah, bista, the final yeah, to... this weekend final this weekend yeah, is yeah. That, so this will be out the day before that so yeah it looks like it's gonna be nice weather um myself and everyone won't be there because we're going somewhere else but i but i think that's that's always a good idea foz first for speed i'm a little bit torn with it really i i i, I for, for reasons of being a the presenter of Top Gear, I do struggle with it a bit because you don't get much space. But hmm. I, the bits I love are when you go off into the doobies and you find the little ride and off-road motorcycle bike. I love yeah. anything to do with motocross stunts. I'll just sit and watch that all day long. I love those. And I do love some of the tech learning bits where you can take little people and they can have Andy Green talk about what it's going to be like when the rockets were cut in in Thrust SSC or whatever it was called. Bloodhound, mm -hmm. sorry. Mm -hmm. All that stuff I really love. Um, but the, the the supercar paddock and the you can, you know, you can leave that, that. all that shite. No, you can yeah. keep that. Yeah, thanks. but you don't have to go there. It's a bit like it is a bit like Glastonbury. There's all there's something that's gonna yeah like your fancy. And that's right. Yeah, you, you've got so Guns and Roses on one stage, and you've got Billy Bragg in the in the tent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can, you yeah. can do whatever you want. But the, yeah. the got so, so much coming up this uh, this summer with. British Grand Prix, Silverstone Classic, Pebble Beach, Concourse d'Elegance, Modena Cento Oro, Salt Flats. I think for me, of all of, all of them, uh, I've done the one that I want to do, which was Isle of Man. I, took, I reiterate, I went back for the senior and watched it on Saturday. Just before they start that race, I've never seen anything like that. The grid clears. The only people with the riders are their absolute closest, nearest and dearest. And they embrace each other or do or have their standard interaction for their race in a way that you don't in any other form of motorsport because there is a sense that maybe not all of them are coming back uh, and a coldness sort of descends on on the paddock 
Mm. I've never experienced anything like it in my life. It's difficult to put into words. I'm probably not skilled enough with words to describe it to you, but it's it's humbling and it's unlike anything I've seen before. So I, I did this last week. Go to the TT. It's one of the best things you'll ever do. Um, I would say for me that after that, the best event, and I know I've got at least one supporter here, would be Classic Le Mans, which I think if you like, if you like old cars, just like cars in general, the access is fantastic. It's a, the crowds are much smaller than the main race. Um, it's got a slightly different vibe, a little less lobbing beer cans around. Um, <laughs> Neil, you're a huge advocate of that as well, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've, I've been to all of them, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's magic. You get right into the paddock. You can see every car. You've got seven or eight groups of cars from the 20s all the way through to the 80s. They each race for an hour and a half. They pile in and the next group. So you, you see every car, every age of Le Mans winning car at every state of the day and night. That's the cool thing. Yeah. You know, you're at Arnage watching lightweight E-types racing short wheelbases at night. I mean, or even 908s or 917s or, you know, it's, yeah, it is phenomenal. Neil, uh, um, you know, that was the one thing because Neil was sending us the kind of group WhatsApps and that first evening when the lights came on, hmm. You know, we all turned into, I certainly did, a 10-year-old with a Scalextrix that had sort of night, you know, that, that had lights. And it's the way the cameras catch it. You see the prisms. You see almost the crucifixes of... Um, oh, you think you're Steve McQueen. You know, oh, you're, you're totally back in the beautiful. 70s. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and the smells, you've got the smells of the, you know, the, the fuel and the sausages being burnt on the little... And, and they've got beer and you've got... You just got this sort of French mix of loveliness. In I would I would say that another other events worth looking at in the Canada are if I think the twenty four hours Nurburgring can be a bit full on as a spectator event. The young timers and the the older events, yeah, um, there's lots of them at the Nurburgring. They're really worth visiting. You'll see. I've got to go there. I've never cars. been. I've yeah, never the young timer. I'll is come with you. Amazing. I'll come with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Take the four, well, five, six that. manual. We're going in the four five six. Yes. We are. We're yeah. all going. We're all going and manages four, five, six. We're going to put yeah. a baby oh, seat. I'm going to go in the baby seat in the middle at the back. For me, the best month is September because in September you've, it kicks off with Hampton Court yeah. concourse. I know people can be a little bit pissy about static events, and but actually, it's the most beautiful setting. You've got the most beautiful cars in the world. It's it's very um, relaxed, very cordial. Just go there on a Saturday morning, get a little coffee, wander around for a couple of hours and bugger off. You know, it's lovely. And then you've got Revival. You've got Revival almost the week after. And then you've got loads of sort of slightly more oily fingernails and warm pie events like Cop Hill. Cop, Cop Hill. Yeah. I went up the hill for the first time in, a, in an old banger last year. I always go, but I've never had the bottle to go up the hill, but I did. And um, oh, it's lovely, and you, you know it's real grassroots, oily finger motorsport. It's really, really. So we, September, we, September's off. always nice weather in the UK, isn't it? August can yeah. be a bit bloody shite, frankly. But September is you can do every do something lovely every weekend of September. Oh, Spa six hours as well. That's um, yeah. that mm. has the best single paddock or two paddocks as there are because there's upper garage low garage so many cars that has the best collection of cars you'll ever see in one place you know you know ferrari 512s 917s a lot a lot of stuff that's is that september 
When is that? It goes, it's, normally, it's normally the week or two weeks after Goodwood yeah. Revival. It starts at sort of six o'clock-ish and goes into the evening. So most of it that time of year is, is darkness. And it's just so, so people, atmospheric. People roll out the big McLaren Can-Ams there. So 800 horsepower with long long trumpet MAFs and things coming out of La Source and going down to Eau Rouge. You, you've not seen anything like it. No, I need to, I need to, we need to go there. Yeah. We, need, we actually need to get a Collecting Addicts minibus. Also, we need to get a collecting. We need, we need to cro- compile a collecting addicts diary calendar. of shit you need to go and look at. Yeah, you know, calendar. Calendar. Okay, yeah, actually, that's yeah. a great idea. We need right, that. So, we need that bus from Scooby Doo. Uh, and what we need, Ed, is uh, a suitable car that we could enter in these events that each of us could drive and <laughs> showcase to people what they're like. I think five twelve a five twelve M or something like that, or something like M. that. You know, yeah. you you can choose, but yeah, yeah. You also need some team wear so that we all look like we're part of a club. Yeah, I know. I know. God, if only if only there was branded wear of collecting cars. That shoes, be... shoes. We need the right shoes. Manage, you've what? already said on our group that you wouldn't wear it anyway, so don't worry about that. Here we go. <laughs> so we, 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 that's an un, that's a very positive and very long intro to this this week's uh, event. Let's get much more negative. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm putting a little wooden box down now, and I'm gonna ask each of my fellow co-conspirators to stand up and have a massive whinge about the state of UK motorways and UK roads in general, which are absolutely dreadful at the moment. Every week there's a story about people suing their local council because their 21-inch rim on their Range Rover has been bent. I don't have that much sympathy for them, actually, but for most of us, um, they're just they're too far gone. Edward Lovett, what's it like in Fulham? Well, you're also fucking miserable. I use the M40 and M4, uh, and they, they're perfect. I don't seem to have a problem. Well, by the way, I have always chosen. I don't commute. So when people are coming into work, I go the opposite direction. Hmm. So you're telling me that the roads are smooth in your helicopter. Well, what, why does that have any use? <laughs> I never, like, if I run up to Bicester, there's nothing wrong with the M40, uh, the M40 stretch from M25 to Bicester. Yeah, and don't the I don't think there's anything wrong with the so, M40. So in your, in your research for this piece, all of you, do you think I can ask you whether you have one particular piece of road that you think is so far beyond repair that you can't understand it? I'll nominate one. The exit, if you're heading west, sorry, eastbound on the M4, the exit of memory services, I reckon you could you could bust all four wheels at 60 miles an hour in a normal car. Yeah. It is, it's a it's like an off-road course. Yeah. I, and this I is this that. is a major service slip road leading onto a motorway. The, the, I, the, the repercussions of that are, are full. Sounds like you need to plan your fueling better, so you don't have to stop at that station. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm partly Ed with you. I'll come to sort of I was in the Netherlands the other weekend when we were at Zandvoort, but I can top that memory services. Um, we were at Snetterton the weekend. Cameron was racing there at Snet, and there's a Jonathan Palmer spent a lot of money on the whole thing, but there's a slip road exiting the circuit going south back down the A11. And to say that it's had subsidence or it looks like something from the moon, I, there are some cars that just couldn't do it. I had to like sort of go sideways and diagonally raise suspension. And I saw somebody who just drove out thinking it's a sit road. The car took off and landed straight into the cliff face of the other side of this crater. That was it, gone, dead. <laughs> How has that, and we looked at it and said, How's it got that back? It's like they've tarmacked over a bomb hole with papier mache and dog hair and hope. 
I mean, it's just, so yeah, there are some bad ones. Having said that, if you go to Belgium, I've had to drive through four countries to get to Zandvoort. And well, one of them's not really a country, it's Belgium. Sorry, Belgium. Um, and Belgium's falling apart. The roads around the Amsterdam, the big difference is people make progress. Commuter time, middle of the day, evening, everyone's making progress, which is just as well because the roads are nowhere near as good as you think they should be. But I think, yeah, there are some shockers. I think you don't realize for me, you know, I don't like being, I don't like being actually, I sort of piss off my friends of being this sort of overly optimistic, everything's going to be better in the future guy. But I, so I don't like being negative. But when you, when you spend three days in France, on those incredible motorways that are all so clean and there's always a man in a van trimming the bloody hedges and almost sweeping the bloody roads and you go even into the service station there's always a lady cleaning the loos yeah it's all so neat and tidy and then you come you get on that Eurostar and you want to sort of get home on a Sunday night and you drive out onto the M20 it's like Fucking Caracas. Yeah, actually. It's it's a shithole. I'll give you that. There's a massive pothole next to the little shell service station as you're getting onto the uh, motorway when you come off the tube. But it's it's there's dirty, there's tires on it's like driving in Los Angeles. Suddenly Brits everywhere. Too many people. (laughs) Um no lane discipline. I mean, the French, you have to, you know, we can criticize the French for many things, but they have immense lane discipline. There's not so many of them on the road, you know, the same population, twice the size of country. So I suppose we've got a bit of a challenge there. But it's like, it's untidy. It's un, You've got this stupid, bloody um, smart motorway thing, which we, I know we've talked about that, so we can't talk about that again. Super bloody dangerous. You haven't even got any any phone service. You know, you're, in, you, you're driving through France, you've got 4G or 5G, perfect. You get to bloody Tunbridge Wells, you've got 3G if you're lucky. I mean, what's all that about? Somehow infrastructure. I think, I know we're not in Europe anymore in that respect, so we need to blame sort of Boris and Cameron for that. But the, the French should run the motorways. The Italians should run, I don't know, cuisine. Maybe the Swiss run the airports. You know, there's no better airport than Zurich Airport, is there? We should allocate jobs. Yeah. Get the Americans. What the hell would you give us right now, though? What would you give us? Oh, you'd give us loads of things. You'd give us music, architecture, design, creativity, humor. The Brits are good at lots of things. We're just not really that good at bloody infrastructure because it takes fucking 30 years to build a road. The the other thing about our roads, which doesn't get mentioned enough, is because because we've spent so little. We, I always feel that if there's a solution for our road networks, it's always the cheapest. We find the cheapest we can, and then some <laughs> contractor manages to make seven billion out of one job. Yeah. But we are, in terms of drainage, our asphalt is the worst in the. It has to be the worst in the world. There's those large sections of, Fr- of French net, uh, alter route where they have that top surface that's porous, and yeah. then it drains away, so it never floods. But if you're out yeah. on Sunday night when it, when the clouds really were bursting mm. around Birmingham. You just have to stop. I mean, there was one point where a cloud burst. Well, I just thought to myself, I'm not carrying on here because the, the tire cannot deal with this. There we used no to have that. France that would happen. We used to have that. There's a bit of the M40. I think it's sort of still there. The bit, the Stoke and Church cutting going west yeah. out of London, that downhill bit. It used to, it, it had two qualities. It was low noise. So you yeah. get onto it and it'd be like you're hovering. 
and it was porous. So all the water drained out. I suspect somebody worked out it was humongously expensive. Yeah. So we've gone back to cheap tarmac and a little bit of tar with grit stunt on the top because that's because I think one of the most random things experienced in my my whatever seven eight years doing Top Gear is being in the middle of nowhere and coming across what is quite clearly a part of the Chinese Belt and Road Initiative, where they've just <laughs> given a country a, a, a road that's of such high quality that the locals yeah. simply don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So I, I remember being in, in Ethiopia and just bashing our way down these tracks and coming across 30 miles with a little sign saying Chinese Belt and Road. They actually put the sign up saying the Chinese paid for it. Wow. And there's just people pushing trucks and goats on it. There's, there's no need for the road whatsoever. And the really, really... The sinister one is the one that goes over the Himalayas. So China exactly. has pretty much built a road that goes through the Himalayas now. And that road, you, you, you go for three days with these massive kilometre drops with rocks everywhere. And suddenly out of nowhere, there is an eight lane motorway. And you go, where the fuck that come from? Wow. And it's better than any road in the yeah. UK. There's no yeah. road comes close to it. Used to be railways in sort of Southern Africa in the post-war period. It was railways, and now it's mm-hmm. roads. Or the cricket stadium in Antigua is a bloody impressive cricket. The Viv Richards Stadium in the middle yeah. of the island. Yeah. You, so you know, can I, am I allowed to nominate the whole of Central London as the worst road yeah. in the whole world? It's just, and it's not only the potholes. It's not only the quality. There's another sort of very insidious aspect to it, which is the. The absolute lack of planning when anyone does any infrastructure change in central London that requires digging up a road. No one literally sits down and coordinates any of this shit. So you basically have 100 metres of whatever, another 100 metres of road that kind of works, and then another 100 metres of digging up. And it's almost as if the first job that the councils all got rid of were whoever it was, if there was such a job, that coordinated such things. So, you know, you'll have a section chopped up because of water. Two months later, the same sections being chopped up for high-speed internet. I yeah, mean, it's hundred percent yeah. insanity, and you know, it just it actually, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, I run a small business, you know, in entertainment. And I guess what do we really want? I mean, I, I I know what I really want. It would be lovely if people could get to work. Brackets on time would be nice. Close brackets. You know, reasonable healthcare, so that if they've got a hospital appointment or something. They can get their hospital appointment at a kind of decent time such that they're healthy for work. And I guess a bit of childcare would be really, really nice that everybody could afford. That's it. That's my absolute government wish list. You know, boom. I think and some guns. We need lots of guns. Train. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we need a good military. I mean, we should 4%. Oh, that kind of gun. Oh, right. I'm drawing this section more, to a More aircraft carriers. <laughs> I'm drawing yeah, this yeah. to a close. Yeah. We've been yeah. too, yeah. Too, yeah. too long. So we're going to move to something uplifting now because we've just whinged for 20 minutes about roads, which in the UK are utterly crap. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to move to early morning drives. What is it about getting into a motor car very early in the morning that always feels exciting it feels like you're you're doing something that's a privilege um chris cooper why do you like getting up early in the morning is it the journey is it the expectation is it the fact no one else is around what is it it's all of those things it's um it's the nervous ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's the last thing you think about before you go to bed. <laughs> and it's the first thing you think about when you have that sort of little bit, you wake in the middle of the night at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. So I came, I'm down in Cornwall at the moment. I came down here about a month ago. And I quite often like coming down late at night because I like waking up here. But I thought I'm going to go early in the morning. And I was so excited. It was like the night before Christmas. Mm. And there's that anticipation of have I got everything planned? Have have I got my travel cup? I'm going to make my cup of tea because I love a cup of tea. Prep. All about prep. It's Mm. about prep. And it's that anticipation. So it doesn't have to be daylight when you start. But there's something about the world just feels better when you start the day earlier. And whether it's driving somewhere on a holiday or going to a work thing, a week, it doesn't matter what it is. It's that the day's opening in front of you. The road is opening in front of you. The sky is that wonder. You know, Monkey, you know, you know, and I know from 24-hour races. And I know from, before I was in, in motor racing, I did offshore yacht racing. And I can't tell you how uplifting no matter how bad the race was, I get really badly seasick, which is not, I can tell you, a great characteristic to do long offshore yacht racing. But no matter how yakky I felt or how bad the weather, when you see on the bit of the horizon, the orangey bit starting, and it's just so uplifting. It's, it's optimistic. It's the whole day's in front of you. You've got the world to yourself. And you can I, be I think by yourself. One thing you said there, which is interesting, which I, which I, I think is achievable in any motor car, is the sense of wonder. Yeah. And maybe just reminding yourself how lucky you are that you happen to be a bunch of atoms that ended up being a human exactly. being. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're, you've just won Le Mans, you're, you, you're in a Le Mans, potential Le Mans winning Ferrari and the sun comes up in your stint. That's mm. a privilege. But if you're, you know, driving the coastal road near Newquay and you're in a 2CV and watch the sun come up, as a human, you still respond it's the same exactly way. There's still something about those colour changes, it does, the reds, exactly, the purples. It's spot on. It's exactly the same. It doesn't have to be a fast car. I remember a few years ago towing a, a, our rib, you know, 55 miles an hour. It takes a long time to get from Hertfordshire to Cornwall. And you start, because you want to get there in the morning, so you start when it's dark and the day starts to unfold and suddenly there's still a whole day in front of you. And that's just such a wonderfully... What time did you set off, Press? You start off about four o'clock in the morning. So after five o'clock feels like you've missed the moment somehow. And you're thinking, when I get there, the day is just starting. Hopefully the tide will be in. There'll be a little cafe I can go and have my cooked breakfast. And the two guys I've gone down with will sit there and we'll put the boat in the water and we'll park the trailer over there and we'll go and have a cooked breakfast. And then two mates who have helped me, they'll drive back up to Hertfordshire and I'll just sit there (laughs) and finish my breakfast and 
Bless you. It's just, it's just wonderful. So I think there's something, it's, it's a free luxury. Neil Clifford, what's your prep? How Mr. do you approach Tom Hartley it? cars? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I do. Um, yeah, it was probably a bit over over the mark. <laughs> I, I I do a little thing at my old school in Portsmouth. Um, help the business students talk about you know their career and blah blah blah, <clears throat> and. Um, I always get asked, you know, give us some tips about, you, you know, how did you make it and all of this sort of stuff. And I'm like, number one thing, get up early. The early people rule the world. And I think it's very true. And when I was thinking about this sort of early morning drive thing, it's basically my early morning drive every morning. I set my alarm at 4.47, which is the number of my house where I was born in Portsmouth. But I'm lying there at 4.42 you know do, do i wait for the alarm to go off shall i turn it off now shall i just just like get up now is the dog gonna need a piss you know i'm already my brain yes. is very active frankly i've never had a good idea ever in my job after about 3 p.m i might as well go home but in the morning all the shit that was yesterday is all turned into positive all turned into action all turned into ideas i drive everyone mad at the at the at the office because i'm sort of mr 502 emails whilst i have my little two glasses of water and my little routine before i get into work but the other the other important bit and i i, I moved out of london 10 years ago frankly i wish i'd have moved further so the drive was even longer but we're about an hour we're about an hour away i'm an hour away in fact 47 minutes is i stop at a little place called salvino which we all need to go there. It's a beautiful, authentic Italian deli, deli in, Cam in Camden. And it officially opens at seven. But if you're in the, in the in club, you can go in at six. And it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest in there. <laughs> so you've got Pete the plumber, you've got Marco the electrician, you've got David the clever lawyer, you've got Gianni the ambulance driver, You've got Rob, the mad guy that does the, the parking tickets of Camden. And we all meet for like 20 minutes. And Alf, who's a, a, a Napoli baker, bakes 4 a.m. croissants and brings them down in his shopping trolley. And we all sit there and talk bollocks for 20 minutes. And then everyone disperses. Yep. And it's this wonderful moment where you, you know, you're meeting new people. The days overlap. Yeah, and you've got, you know, you've got Eric, the Frenchman that, you know, runs Filofax, and you've got all these lovely characters that you wouldn't have met if you were, you know, in in, in, in your normal day-to-day -day yeah. life. And it's just brilliant. So I think, I think get up early, go for a drive. I love my, I love my routine. We all love our routines, don't we? It's, it's you're nervous when you're out of your routine. Even if you're on holiday, you think, Every 10 minutes, you've lost your passport or your wallet or whatever. But, yeah, morning drives every morning, magic. Yeah. Eric I, must, I have, Eric must have a tough job, Neil. No, well, <clears throat> Eric Eric does lots of little consultancy things. Eric's super cool. He just, he's just ridden from Amsterdam to, I don't know, 200 miles up the bloody coast. He goes for bike rides with his son. He's a wonderful character. Um, I buy him espresso cups from around the world because he collects espresso cups.
<laughs> no, it's just magic, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. great. I always think that when I when I was doing more early mornings, I loved being self-employed and knowing that I could get a day's work done by midday and anything else that was a bonus. I could actually, I was getting two days for one. And when I got in the car, I'd always, because I'm a bit middle class and I like Radio 4, I always felt like I'd slightly failed if the Today programme had started because that wasn't a really good really, yeah, start. Absolutely. A bit of farming today. If a farming today was on, I thought, well, and if it was World Service before that, then you think, I really have beaten the early birds this Do, do you remember the Revelli? That bit of yeah. music they used to play, you dropped it. <laughs> yeah. That sort of, that bit of music, it's quite, it's quite British. Yeah. That no, was I, a wonderful I, part. I, I, and I love, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm everything Neil isn't. I don't have routine. I'm scared of routine. I don't want anything fixed in my life, really. I just want to be able to move around. I'm the Maddie. Um, but I do, I do love, as Chris quite beautifully put it, thinking about the next morning's drive as I fall asleep because I'm not very organized but I even I sometimes will sneak out to fill the car up to make sure I'm brim before I go yeah, or I might it. decide to leave the car a little bit empty because I want to be forced to stop early on to have that coffee oh, in that place I've never and I want done to that. have that coffee yeah, the morning air that's um, nice and I have to say one of the one of the um one of the positions I took about hybrid vehicles that people gave me lots of shit for, which I really couldn't care about, is that I loved having a very high-performance hybrid that could creep away, because I live in a city now. It could creep away quietly, and then when I wanted it to be noisy and fast is, is one of the best developments for me, because latterly, I don't want to wake up at 4.30 and have my AMG wake up the entire street. I feel like a complete wanker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love creeping away. Just It feels so covert, like then sneaking away. Watching. And then I press the button and then we go. Yeah, like yes. the Cadillacs pulling away at Le Mans. Exactly. I love the idea that Chris is sort of yeah, real profession was being a getaway driver. Was, that's what you really <laughs> I want to do. I think I thought, Rob a right. bank at dawn. <laughs> but there's a sense, there's also a sense of, I think I use the word privilege again, of, of a very early morning drive. Two things for me. One, the sense of emptiness. This planet is nicer for me when, when I'm not surrounded by human beings and their detritus. I'd, I'd, sometimes the hustle and bustle is great. The centre of Tokyo would be odd with no people in it. But when you drive around places that are normally full of people when they're empty because it's early in the morning, it, it does give you a different view of the world, which I mm. find mm. very pleasant. Um, and I, I also just... I, there's something... It's slightly romantic. It, it, I just wake up and I think to myself, I'm, I'm, I'm painting a picture here. Of, of my day that I wouldn't do if I got up later. No, I um, think that Neil, you were in New York recently, and uh, obviously that w- walking around a busy city with jet lag in in the mornings is brilliant. Just to it's see, nice, some, isn't it? It is. I love it. Yeah, I've been trying to. Um, th- th- there's um, I thought even better than um, driving. Can you can you see that? Oh God, that book is unbelievable. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I just, when you put this question onto the group chat, you know, I just thought about Jeffrey Wellen. So for people who don't know him, he was um, a Second World War fighter pilot, flew Spitfires for 92 Squadron, and actually had 10 confirmed victories in um, the Battle of Britain, making him an ace. But it's the most spiritual book, and First Light is absolutely its title. I mean, I, I spent an hour this morning trying to find the bloody quote, and I couldn't find it. But his description there's so much death there's so much destruction his losses are so personal because these boys knew each other so well and he's so young and and yet you know the most 
most beautiful, not, you know, as Neil would say, optimistic slant on the whole of the Battle of Britain, the whole of the Second World War, is his description of flying at first light. And he just describes the fact that you get above the cloud cover and it really doesn't matter how early you go up, but the earlier the better. And then you see the first sun. Mm-hmm. And he actually says it is like being, you just feel God is with you. Yeah. And I know we don't do God on this show, as Alistair Campbell famously said, but I totally get that. You know, and there is something, my, my earliest experiences of early, early morning drives were when we used to go to India to visit family. So it was the long drive for the morning flight to Heathrow Airport. And it was exactly as you describe it, you know, all the packing done the night before by my mum, you know, the taxi coming very, very early. From Basingstoke, it was either the M3 or the M4. Um, And it was just the most extraordinary thing just to see light come up, you get to Heathrow Airport, and you know, there's all of this adventure ahead of you. And um, it is, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful time. There's there's something I'm just thinking as you're saying that, I mean, I'm one of those people that thinks being on time is late. Same. Being late is really, really rude. And therefore being early is on time. It's one of the, it is the time of the day (laughs) and the set of circumstances where there is a reward for being early. It's just even better. Manish, in that book, just remind, I'm going to misquote this, but I do remember Mm. a lovely see, a lovely sequence where he's describing how, that really big character that ends up the one that crashed the one that crash lands and ends up getting drunk in the orchard. When he says he says, "Jerry at five o'clock," and I do believe he is bent, bent on, on mischief. mischief. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant. Bent on a, mischief. Jerry, he was still around I until to read me that book at some point. Yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, yeah, he was. I think he's only died. Six, seven years ago. Oh, no, Neil, I'll tell that. you what, just get for that one, honestly, just the audio yeah. book. They, made, the it, yeah, yeah, they well. made it into a TV series, and the TV series for me didn't do it. They had to stick in no. a lot of interest and everything. No. But listen to the audio book because I have, and it re- it's beautiful. I will definitely 100%. Um, so I think we've, we've covered that, guys. I'm, I'm now on the fly going to get rid of the next subject because we've gone on, we're already we're up to an hour now. And I think I'm going to go straight on to... Are we going to come back to that another time, though? Because I, yeah, no, no, I, I needed to tell week. you, I, I need something firm to the touch and stiff to the tug. OK. But we'll, we'll come back to that. No, 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 no. We were going to hey, do... We were going to do a favourite hitching stories. We're not going to do that, but we are going to do the next <laughs> thing, which you've now totally blown my cover with, <laughs> yeah. which is the thorny issue... Of column stalks, <laughs> I want to. I want to ask something I've never asked before, which is Edward Lovett. What's your favourite column stalk? <laughs> well, as I said, I, I've written down here. I want something solid to the touch and firm to the tug. And uh, whilst <laughs> whilst looking at the different options, it's it was very difficult to do the research on this yeah. because yeah. most of I, them are very limp, you know. And so, I think it's got to be German. Ooh, matron. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 got to be German, um, and I, I I have to go back to a Z eight again, which I you know lo- looking at some photos and deciding on. That's a it, nice it, it's one. It's got to be aesthetically pleasing That's as well. That's a good but one. The BMW did such a wonderful job with the interior and the exterior of the yeah. Z eight. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to decide. I'm going to choose the Z eight. Okay, no Clifford. Now I reckon you're good. You're going to be good on this because you've got some older cars, and I think you might agree that mm. it's a science 
or it's an art form that's been forgotten in the modern car, whereas older cars took more pride in their stalk work. Well, um, I'm going to be contrary here. Oh, no. Oh. Is it a stalk? No. Oh, no. come on. Oh. OK, look, I've I'm got... RTQ, RTQ. It's up here I've, somewhere. I've got, it's not like me to have two, but I'd like to do two. And I'll, I'll give you the picture of one so we can put it on there. The Bristol 400, which was basically a 328 BMW post-war, the Bristol 400 doesn't have indica doesn't have an indicator stalk, but it has... Well, maybe one could call it a stalk. It's a little twisty knob on the dash in the yep. middle. It'll, and it's, it is, to use Manish's word, the most beautiful thing because it's, it's very elegant. It's, I think it's made out of, uh, what's a Bakelite? Bakelite. You know, it's this beautiful Bakelite plastic, switch yeah. that is completely inconvenient because it's right in the middle of the dash. <laughs> but you just and it it obviously doesn't self-correct and, and and if you're slightly deaf like me it can be on for hours but you could you just flick this little thing and my daughter Trafficator. i almost broke down in it on sunday because i took her for a drive and the brake stuck on and then it was the, the tick over was about three thousand revs and it was overheating fucking thing but she's like oh my god i love that indicator so i've got an, a 1948 indicator Bakelite knob as opposed to um, stalk. The stalk. And it's then gonna make, it's going to make your life difficult when I ask what's your favourite knob next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my 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 other one to be even more contrary is not a indicator stalk. What is actually my favourite use of an indicator to put your indicators on? It actually pains me to admit because I'm being completely um, converse to my original steering wheel discussion is the 458 button yeah that button you know what indicator buttons on the steering wheel actually bloody work they do that really bloody works that thing because you've you know you've got your you've got your steering in your hands in the right place on the steering wheel and your your little thumbs operate this thing and it feels so natural Yep. It feels so natural that the indicators should be there. And um, I'm in that car today, and I was thinking about at 4.47 in the morning about indicator buttons and stalks and knobs. And I thought, actually, I'm going to talk about that because it's bloody great. You're halfway to being a racing driver now. You are, because that's exactly right. I'm definitely halfway. I think I've done the easy bit. I think, no, you've done the hard bit. You've done the hard Manage, bit. Manage, can I ask you, which of your one cars you've owned has your favourite indicator stalk? <laughs> you, yes. you, you didn't say in the question you had to own it. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. Yeah. That is true. So, yeah. Go ahead. Because if, if you prefixed every single week with that, can you imagine how short uh, my contribution to a bit? Someone okay. I know has a very, very beautiful 300, Mercedes 300 SL. And it's so beautiful. And have you ever seen the stalks on one yeah. of those? They are exactly three o'clock, nine o'clock, mm. beautifully chrome, and the tips match the steering wheels. And it is, they are just so perfectly weighted. Yeah. It's just, it's perfection. And you know, the way that the steering wheel works anyway, it's sort of two spoke. So I think what, what are, they're basically four o'clock and eight o'clock, aren't they? The actual spokes on the steering wheel. So you see these gorgeous column stalks on either side. They are lovely. Either ones. And I think you could probably just clap them very yeah. nicely. Just catch them with your thumb. Just catch them with your hand there. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, so, so um, the word is fidelity. <laughs> fidelity. Fidelity. So yesterday evening, yesterday, so I was discussing this yesterday with my son Finley. So Finley and I, he was down in Cornwall with me just yesterday. So we potted up to Mylor Marina yesterday evening and we had a lovely early evening supper at Castaways, which is a little restaurant on the side of the harbour at Mylor Marina. People in the area will know it's lovely and we had a lovely time. It's always great. So I was talking about this and I said, what, what do you think about best column stalks? And he said, Dad, it's all about fidelity. And I thought that's a fantastic word. So fidelity, I mean, it means trust and honesty and loyalty. It's why, you know, Fido, the Latin word for dog is about trustworthiness and loyalty and so forth. In other words, when we're using these controls, does it feel authentic? and reliable and does it give us confidence so when i thought about the word fidelity courtesy of finley i completely ignored the question and went on to haptic controls which i bloody hate hate haptic controls i bloody hate Shit. because there's no how fidelity. much wine did you have at this meal because you're no, already I... not answering the question no well <laughs> uh, if, if you learn anything chris from me is that you know there's always a more interesting question i could think of and i can't think of an answer to your question <laughs> so Haptic controls. If if trafficators, Neil was talking about trafficators. You remember the Morris Minor and yes. the cars of that era? They had they were called trafficators. Good idea. So um, haptic controls a bit. I don't like haptic controls. No. And one day I won't go any further now. But one day we do need to talk about the demise of the knob and the switch and the stalk in the modern motor vehicle. The mm -hmm. next Range Rover. There's a new Czech Range Rover out now. They're going to do a refresh over the summer for the 24 model year. It's going to have no dials or controls ah, at all. Awful. It's all going to be through that sort of sort of Poundland Tesla screen thing they put in the new Range Rover. So even changing the seat temperature or the te what it, augment dial. So, Does someone want to tell car, car manufacturers, Chris, that we did this in the 70s and they were called digital watches. Yeah, and they lasted about five minutes. They're just shit. So I think, but if, but to answer the question, because I know yeah. there is a question in somewhere that I've done very well in avoiding. I quite like that singular 3D multifunctional, multivariate, multi whatever it is, Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah. Not, yeah, they're good. Where you can do everything with it. And I remember my fondest memories are from that E280 estate, Chris, that you used to have. About when we used to go to Germany in it, it had the Brabus chip. Oh, three that was a 320 CDI. Good, good 320 point. CDI. Yeah. Um, that, that just big but it did everything. So yeah. that had fidelity. That would be yeah. my choice. Okay. I've got I've on my list here, that's down there, the classic Merck stalk that did everything yeah. was that's when Mercedes had radically different solutions to everyone else, actually. It had a single wiper, you had that mm. single knot, the single lever, which is brilliant. Um, I've done a little bit, and I've got some several here. The Citroen Visa that had the kind of pod by the side oh, of God, a, yes, a sort yes. of plastic coat can yes. thing that yes. had shit yes. on it that you couldn't see. It just looks so French and cool. That was just Blade Runner in a car for me. That was just fantastic. Um, I, I, I absolutely loved what Peter Wheeler tried to do with, with, with the TVR stuff of the time when he went slightly wild. And he's, he tried, he sort of, he almost got to the indicator on the steering wheel before Ferrari. If TVR had survived, he was putting a lot of controls around there. He was, yeah, two yeah, air vents. made it work. Yeah, I know. But, I, but it, 
some of they did have a, an aluminium column store that yeah that lovely that, aluminium that actually i've forgotten that had a I'll lovely movement answer, to it that one yeah had a lovely movement to it um well i've got a couple i think that, that stand out for me one is and you'll think i'm mad the Vauxhall Cavalier that came out in the late 80s, which was actually the GM 2900 platform for those of us that are geeks. This, this is the, the, the more bar of soap Cavalier that was end of the 80s. It was the first car that Vauxhall had that had the generic column stalks that had the sort of rubber boot on the inside. It was a sort of corrugated yes, I'm a, It was the same as a Calibra. Yes, they felt yeah. so high quality compared to any other ordinary car. I used to get in the car, and because it's something using the whole time, I, it made me feel the car was better built than it was, because I was constantly in contact with these two little levers that were beautifully damped. They had a rubber boot on the inside. In a Ford, they felt like shite. Yeah. But in a Vauxhall, and of course, they ended up on the Elise as well, those did. They were used by lots of cars. And I always felt sorry for men of manufacturers that inherited the Ford bits, because they had to have the column sorts, which is why all Astons from that era feel like shite because they've got those awful column stalks. Yeah, but for me, yeah. BMW E39, BMW top of its game then, the E39 column stalks have a movement to them. Yeah. But just when they get into the detent, when they're on or off, you can just, when you're that you're that in contact and in touch with the car, you just, there's a joy in just knowing, oh, it's about to, that lever's about but, to get into its notch. Yes. Now, I can't say that without coming across as an absolute wrong -un. But that is a quasi-sexual experience for me. So oh, you're absolutely wrong, him. Yeah. Is, but I just <laughs> I love the that way they... That That's what I was talking peak. about, the Germanness, the firmness. But I love the, the fact that some, some, some bloke called Fritz, who lives near Munich, spent half his life making that work the way it did. And I want to thank him for it now, publicly, because it... it who, who, did he, who did he fancy and what did she look like, Chris? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd like to think she looked like... Miller Kunis and, and they're still and they're living together now but it but it, there's something about the way those things yeah. move and the joy that that went into someone really cared about their job that day I think, I think in, the year, in the year 3000 when there's a museum about petrol cars and they that the, the, you walk into the section called saloon it's the 39 m5 oh that's that's peak it's peak motor car. Yeah. But I, I, one thing, I, if I had a car company, which would go bust immediately, the one thing I would do is I would, I would just throw money at stuff that you're constantly in contact with or you see the whole time. I don't understand why Ford thought it was okay to have those shit column stalks or mm. that Aston Martin didn't think, well, let's just take the insides of it and recover it. Because if, if, that, if you, you're touching that stuff every couple of minutes... Yeah. I think, I think as, soon, as soon enough, we will be able to have someone, a digital artist, be able to put together our perfect car with all these different things we're uh, yeah. covering here. Is well, yeah. Tail pipe, steering wheels, so I'm going, dials. E39.5, so it's right. So we're now, going to, um, we're now going to tweak a familiar theme. Uh, every week uh, on the Collecting Addicts podcast, uh, we throw open to the floor a question that... Um, uh, we, we ask about cars. It's got our two-car garage, but we've actually got something different this time, which is called the two-driver garage. And I've just realised in the mayhem of my life that I got a new iPhone yesterday, and I haven't got it written down <laughs> because my new phone hasn't updated. So, give me to read seconds. it for you. Um, yeah, can you read it out, please, Mister C? Yeah. The two-driver garage. You have inadvertently become the team principal of a well-known Formula One team based in northern Italy. 
<laughs> it paints its cars red. <laughs> but your first move is to resolve drivers. You have two drivers, but despite liking the incumbents, you have this nagging fear that they might not win much going forwards. Your budget is unlimited, but all applicants must be able to spell the word tortellini, not tortelloni, we'll come back to that, tortellini correctly. So, there you go. And, and I hasten to add that there are rules here, and the rules are that there are no rules. Neil Clifford. Right, I've decided that I'm going to choose the two drivers of Formula One cars that I've met. And they are world champions, ex-world champions. One sadly has passed away, one is um, sadly, uh, unsadly, beautifully alive. So I'm having, I'm also recruiting a team manager as well. And that, there's only one person for that, which I'll come to. So we're, we're having um, Jackie Stewart. If anyone's seen that Stewart movie, I adore him. I adore his story. He never made a mistake. Um, the most gorgeous man has a bit of dyslexia like me, so I adore him for that. So I'd have Jackie Stewart. Um, I'd have Luca de Montezelmo, by the way, as the team manager. You've got to have an Italian because Italians only really like to work for other Italians. If you've ever tried to work in Italy, forget it. You have no fucking chance running an Italian company unless you are Italian. Um, so I would I would definitely have Luca. And then I would have John Surtees, the man that, even though, you know, and I've spoken to him about this, when I met him, I spoke to him about this, was sort of pissed off that he ended up falling out with Enzo. He wanted to stay at Ferrari, but he's a very forthright, strong-willed, stubborn man, but he wished he'd have stayed at Ferrari, he'd have won more world champions uh, championships. So I'd bring back John Surtees, I'd have Jackie Stewart there as the man that can engineer the car and not make mistakes, and I'd put Luca in charge of the whole thing, and we would win championship after championship. You changed your selection from your I message did. earlier on. I did. He's allowed to do that. He's allowed yeah. to do that, Edward. I know, I know he did, but I called you it. You change your mind on I stuff about it. four times a minute. I did. No, I did. I, I, no, I did. I wanted to do the guys that I'd met, and I, I, I yeah, that that was. I yeah, was happy that's with a lovely choice. Call. Yeah, that's a lovely Okay, I'm going to go next uh, because I, I think I can nominate myself to do that. Now, um, this won't look like the most rational choice uh, or set of choices, and it might, it might look like I'm not taking the subject seriously because I'm going to get told off. So, for me, um, I think we're all fascinated by sports people that passed away before we were really conscious of what the sport was or, or we were fans of it. So, I have to have Jim Clark. Because the mm. number of people that answer who's the greatest and say Jim Clark, I can't ignore. Even great racing drivers say that Jim Clark was the greatest. So I, I kind of want him in my team because I want to see what Jim Clark's about. I want to see him drive. I want to see him beat people. And I think he will. Um, but because I've got someone I think can beat everyone, I often feel that we, within motorsport, the codes don't cross enough. You know, I've just come from uh, the Isle of Man where they've all written all sorts of things. They've all done motocross. They are, they're sort of multidiscipline athletes. But quite often people get siloed in motorsport. And that's why it's absolutely obligatory that Francois Delacour makes his debut Ooh. on a Formula One track because God knows what's going to happen, but he's going to be fast. 
The sponsors are going to be over the moon because his off-track activities are going to be outrageous. He's going to give great interview. He's going to be the man. And, and the person that's going to run this team is, for me, the single most impressive engineer human being I've ever met is Norbert Singer of Porsche, yeah. who masterminded pretty much every single one of their Le Mans successes. This is a man that when, when Audi's data broke on a Le Mans car 10 years ago at Spa, they sent some pictures of the tyres and he told them exactly what was going on by looking at the wear on the tyres. <laughs> so he is just a mercurial genius. So for me, Clark Delacour Singer. Ooh. Wow. I'm going to go Manish. Well, <laughs> Because I'm a doctor and I have been studying a little bit about advanced genetics, I am going to clone Senna. <laughs> <laughs> and my two-car garage is Senna and Senna. <laughs> but, but with a little twist. So one of the Senna's is going to be 25. Yep. The other Ooh. Senna is going to be 31. Ooh. And wow. they're obviously going to be number one and number two. So 25, I think he has all the speed that he needs. And um, and at 31, I think he's he really is the best ever, and he's absolutely he's abs you know he's he's going to win. And the whole idea is that this is a team where if there is a mechanical or there is any kind of issue with Big Senna, Little Senna will win. This will get every pole position. This team because one or the other Senna's is going to be on pole. The eldest Senna has got all the speed I think of the younger Senna, but I think probably is a little bit more cautious so I think in a 16 race season which is my sort of favorite number I think it won't be 16 nil I think it'll be something like 10 six hmm. and it could be either way could be either way and um I, th I, th I thought long and hard about the team manager when uh it can only be one man it can only be one man manager well you want it to be Ron Dennis it has to be because Ronald did the job back in the day no 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 I'll tell you I think oh no! You're wrong. And I'll tell you the team manager is it's Bernie Ecclestone. Oh. <laughs> and Bernie is the only person on earth that Little Senna and Big Senna are not going to argue with. He's going to say, you get into that car. I know the engine's not very good. You're bloody number two. Get in there. Drive. And that is who I think mm, is going to mm, mm. You're not trying to promote a particular body of work here, are you, Bernie? No, it's, it's uh, too late. It's too late. <laughs> We're on to the next body of work. <laughs> No, so it's Senna and Senna, and it's Bernie Eccleston. Um, uh, Edward Lovett. I've got a few here. <laughs> um, I, I'm surprised you mentioned a name earlier on, Chris, and that's one of the names I've written got written down here, which is Robert Kubica. He deserves to come back. Yeah, He does. And he went yeah. off. He was pretty good at rallying, but he did like to shunt a car, didn't he? Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Life, the problem. Um, my pair is Lewis Hamilton. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Max Verstappen. <laughs> and I'm going to give little Jean Tot the job <laughs> to manage them. That's a good team. That is. They'd be so fast for the first three races. And then someone, then there would be an homicide in a garage. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Chris Cooper, you do inherit, you know, you realize you do inherit their dads. Well, I, I, yeah, that, 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 that's true. Or I could Verstappen. just, I could do Anthony Hamilton and Jos Verstappen. <laughs> I, I mean, can you just imagine that garage? <laughs> so, Chris Cooper, uh, you go next, please. 
Okay, so um, so I sent a text to last night to, to Phil and Cam, and I said, I read a question, and then we had a big debate about the difference between tortellini and tortelloni. Yeah. And we all agreed we preferred tortellini because it's a meatier, slightly smaller, yeah. a bit more delicate, but it's filled with meat rather than spinach or ricotta. So I think we're definitely on the right lines with tortellini. And the answer question was, uh, name two drivers. Uh, they eventually came out with Finney Cooper and Cam Cameron Cooper. I said, that won't pass muster. <laughs> I'm sorry, it got to be faster than that. So uh, Finley said, I'd have Adrian Newey as one of the drivers. Two reasons. One, because the car will be faster eventually. And actually, Adrian's quite a good driver. When he's not he's, sticking it in the hedge, yeah. <laughs> no, he's, he's quite good. He's he did have good. an off on a green flag lap. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah then, so DC's done that and, you know, <laughs> Damon did that. And so anyway, so I'm not holding that against him. But actually, I, for once, I've actually answered the question properly. If you had to do it now, if it had to be this year, if this was for real, mm -hmm. I'd have Fernando and Lando, not just because it's slightly alliterative, but actually I think Fernando and Lando would be a potent, entertaining, amusing, and effing fast combination. Yeah. 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 I feel but you slightly ignored the boys then. You actually, so actually you've, you've thought about it and you've actually answered the question. I have for once. I have for once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fernando and Lando, um, I think would be really interesting. I feel slightly sorry for Charles and Carlos. Who's managing them, Chris? Chris, I think, you, I think you no, actually, the boys suggested that. I said, Nadine no, Dorries. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Not fair. We're not going to do it's that. It's just not fair. I, there was something really potent about how John Tolt and Ross Braun <coughs> brought sense. Okay, they had a perfect, they had, you know, Rory Byrne, um, those three with Michael. So I would say, um, I would bring Jean and Ross in their pomp. Uh, Neil, have you been? He Where has. Yeah. You have been. He's done his, yeah. He's done his. Yeah. Sorry, I've oh, been oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. I don't know where. Where have I been? I don't know. I'm, yes, too, I've been. I'm too. I'm too. Uh, I'm too lost in the conversation. Yeah. Right. So, next up, a little bit of music, just to sprinkle a bit more joy on this hour and a half listening to five uh, privileged men talk about expensive cars and motorsport. So, um, uh, music this week. We're going to start with Manish, who always enlightens us and makes us feel that we're not trying hard enough and that we've not listened to enough classical music. Manish, go. So I was thinking very hard about your uh, first light challenge and I was imagining you know there's a piece of music I listen to which is just on that very edge of meditation it's a really really I suppose if you had to to buttonhole it you'd call it new age but um it's written by Steve Jansen who's David Sylvian's brother from Japan and uh, a woman called Maya Hershey it's on the album neither present nor absent and it's called towards the surface and it is absolutely like hearing dawn Wonderful. Lovely. I'm just writing this down. I always write managers down because I've, I've listened to them in the days after the podcast to pretend that some of his it's making a difference. Is, is rubbing off on me. But I'm still a thick <laughs> fuck. I don't know why. Right, here we go. Neil Clifford. I was really desperately trying to sort of move modern, move from the 90s into modern. And I had a look through my recently listened to music and there sat right in the middle was a load of Pink Floyd songs because I was lucky enough to go and see um not really pink floyd is it? it's roger walters but i've got a mate who's the the manager 
and he runs runs that whole thing. So I was lucky to go to Paris a couple of weeks ago and see that 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 whole sort of crazy thing in in uh, Paris. And wish you were here. Oh, by Pink Floyd. Oh, is 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 one of those songs that you could sort of be happy driving over the cliff. You know, it's such an amazing. So I'm, I'm I've gone backwards, not forwards. I've gone from the '90s into the bloody '70s, but. It's an amazing track, and um, it gets the hair on the back of your neck standing up for sure. I'll never you know, know this, but I suspect that ten percent of the people that listen to this podcast will immediately go and listen to that song now. Yes, it really is a special one. Yeah, and you know, you know, in that uh, series about HMS Ark Royal, um, they use that piece of music to illustrate the two Phantom jets, Navy Phantoms, literally blasting <clears throat> past the Ark Royal at dawn. I remember that. This Got was it. the 70s Ark Royal. That was the Rod Stewart sailing. Exactly, had the yeah, Rod Stewart yeah. sailing to start with. My God, those phantoms to Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah I love an F-4. I mean, we need under. to talk about aircraft, military aircraft. We need to do aircraft. Yeah. We're in, we're in. Okay. Edward Lovett, have you chosen music this week or are you going to tell us that you've not listened to anything? No, I've been listening. I've been listening to music. And I, I did see some... I, I guess is it the weekend? Is he's up in playing up in Manchester at the moment? Yeah, I saw cool. some, he's, he's, a, he's a talent, isn't he? I saw some footage of that last night. It looked amazing. Um, anyway, I haven't chosen him. I've gone with the Killers this week, yeah, and uh, somebody yeah, told me. Oh, it's a good tune. Yeah, that is good, actually. I'm going to see Harry Styles tomorrow, so I'm sure I'll be doing a bit of Harry Styles next week. Yeah, you need to do a bit of Harry next week. I do like like pop songists. I think they're they're clever people. Uh, Chris Cooper. Talking of pop songs, um, last week I did Huey Lewis and The Power of Love. And for some reason, it's bloody TikTok or whatever, on here came Frankie Goes to Hollywood, The Power of Love. And it got me thinking about Frankie Goes to Hollywood. We're extraordinary, extraordinary poets and storytellers in that mid-late 80s period where we all thought the world was coming to an end because, you know, the two tribes, uh, welcome to the Pleasure Dome, um, relax. Pleasure Dome erect. Yes. (laughs) In Kubla Khan did Xanadu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a top album. That it's, very, it's a brilliant yeah. armor. So, but Power of Love, I think, is just an extraordinary. Holly Johnson's voice is he's still around. I mean, if if you'd have said in the in that late 80s, early 90s period when we thought AIDS was going to consume the world, name one person who won't make it, most people would have named him. He's still around, bless him. Extraordinary. That was one of the moments then the first the first uh, the first uh, top of the pops. With yeah. uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, that was yeah. like. So wow. I would say, do you remember, um, you know, Mary Whitehouse? Do you remember that video was uh, for Relax was a little racy, and I remember Mary Whitehouse coming on TV going, "Oh, it's disgusting! It shouldn't be allowed." And Mike Reed, the Radio One DJ, was like, "Oh, it's he disgusting! Should he banned it. it?" No, but what was great was somebody said to Mary Whitehouse. What about Duran Duran? She said, I won't have you sullying the name of those lovely boys. And then somebody showed her the girls on film video, which yeah. basically had the entire cast of men only. It yeah. was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. That's, that's Thank you, Holly. Good. Power of love. Wonderful. Um, right. So that leaves me. I was driving uh, in my M5 late at night uh, last week. Now, 
that we talked about early morning drives, but the, but songs that you you cruise around very late doors, and actually for different reasons, there are a few people around, but it's dark, and the interior lighting of the car Ooh. looks fantastic, and the greens are really green, and the red's really red, and there's that lovely BMW red flood lighting that's coming down on the centre console. And for me, there's only one tune that I want to cruise to slowly, and that's... Um, Warren G's Regulate, which I just absolutely adore. I think the, the just it's a fantastic piece of music. Um, and it makes all of us think we're a bit like gangsters when actually we're just middle class and we're quite ordinary. But the idea of they How took my you. rings, they <laughs> took my rings, they took my Rolex. Um, and uh, I yeah, I love it. I'm a massive fan of the lyrics of the song, and I think it's beautifully produced as well. So there you go. Yeah, um, lovely. We I must play that to uh, to Bernie, Chris. They took my rings. They were <laughs> they're, like, they're hanging upside down from a meat hook. Something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that has dragged on a bit, people. Uh, enjoy the sunshine this weekend. If you go to the scramble, go in something quirky, um, and make sure that you go and go up to someone who owns a car that you don't like and ask them to explain why they like it and see if they can change your mind. Uh, have a great weekend. Um, we've got just one thing. We've got the Porsche sale ending this Sunday, the 18th. Uh, ending times from 3.30pm. We've got 70 Porsches ending. Wow. Go check it out. Have a bid. Cheers, wow. boys. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 